there, and welcome to Health Now. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. Each week on this podcast, we cover the latest in the health topics you care about, body, mind, and well-being. This week, sitting a lot isn't great for your body, but what about your brain? Plus, a few easy ways to get up and get moving. Then, why some experts are warning of a surprising new public health problem, loneliness. And if you had 100 pounds to lose, where would you start? One man tells us how he did it and how he stays motivated to keep it off. And finally, our tweak of the week may help you tap into your creative side. Stay with us. You might want to listen to this story standing up. You've probably heard that sitting a lot is pretty bad for your body. It's linked to everything from belly fat to heart disease and even some cancers. In fact, some people have said that sitting is the new smoking. Now there are clues that it's also not great for your brain. Researchers at UCLA studied 35 healthy adults between the ages of 45 and 75. And those people filled out a questionnaire about how active they are and how much time they spend sitting in an average day. They also got brain MRI scans that honed in on the medial temporal lobe, or MTL. And that's the part of your brain that's responsible for processing memory. The more time the people spent sitting, the thinner their MTL was, even if they worked out. Lots of time parked in a chair or on a couch was the key. Now, even though their brains showed those changes, the study didn't show that they had bad memories. And it doesn't prove that sitting actually caused them to have thinner MTLs. So there's more research to do here but the pattern was pretty strong in this early study. It's easy to say that you shouldn't spend so much time sitting, but between your job, commuting, and let's face it, the lure of your favorite shows at the end of the day, it can be hard to see how to cut back. The key is to break up long bouts of sitting more regularly throughout the day. Try this, get up and stretch every half hour or so. Take a quick walk to the break room if you're at work or to the far end of your home and back. You can stand when you're on the phone. You'll use more muscles and burn more calories that way. And see if your coworkers are game for walking meetings instead of just parking it in a conference room. At home, if you just can't tear yourself away from your Netflix queue, stand up, touch your toes, march in place, or even tidy up the room while you watch. Just do something that keeps you on your feet or moving around for a few minutes. And maybe you think you're safe from sitting disease because you work out every day. Well, sorry, exercise is great for your health, but even if you work out for seven hours a week, that's not enough to counter the effects of sitting for seven hours at a time. You can't just save all your physical activity for 30 minutes or an hour at the gym. You have to move throughout the day too. Basically, whenever you have the chance to move around, you should take it. Many of us live with a host of social networks at our fingertips these days. A few taps and scrolls can connect you with old friends and help you find new ones too. A public health issue that has many experts concerned is a bit surprising, loneliness. In a recent survey of 20,000 US adults, nearly half said that they sometimes or always felt alone or left out. 54% said they feel that no one really knows them well, and 4 in 10 said they lack companionship, don't have meaningful relationships, and they feel isolated from others. And experts say this loneliness can take a big toll not only on your mental health, but on your physical health too. 
One analysis of 70 studies found that social isolation and loneliness boosted the chance of an early death at least as much as obesity does, which is very surprising. WebMD had a news report about this recently and talked with a bunch of experts. So we have Aaron Scheinin, our senior news editor, here to tell us what he found. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Carrie. What's making us so lonely? This is very surprising. It was very surprising, wasn't it? And in fact, uh, some people called it the social media paradox, where this idea that all these social media networks are supposed to be bringing us closer together with one another, opening our worlds and our horizons, but in fact, sometimes maybe it's actually doing the opposite. If you spend your life with your face in a screen, you're not seeing the world around you. And the experiences that you're having online and through these tools, while gratifying and helpful in some ways, are not a replacement, are not a substitute for real honest-to-goodness interactions with another live human being and it blunts us from growing it blunts us from experiencing real things and it can cause these health problems the, the doctor said that's such a contradiction but it it's, really is but it kind of makes sense when you think about it and there were some other factors too that they talked about that were kind of increasing these feelings of isolation yeah it can cause you know feelings of anxiety you know the lack of family time lack of me time the fact that you're not communicating directly with somebody that you're not feeling another person's presence or another person's touch you know looking somebody in the eye necessarily and and that, you know you mentioned obesity and they also said that it could be equal to a health problem of smoking up to 15 cigarettes in a single day they're starting to see enough of these kind of health impacts people with heart disease and that it can lead to stroke and immune system disorders that they're tying it back to patient outreach and patient uh, you know intake interviews with their patients and stuff and tying it back to this idea of loneliness. Yeah, I think there was even the, the former Surgeon General yes. said that he this was one of the major problems that he saw in when he was seeing patients, which is very interesting. And I mean, he called for you know, a major national campaign to target this like we did smoking and obesity and, and AIDS and every other major health crisis facing the nation. I mean, he sees it as that serious. Wow. Another thing that really surprised me about this was that young people, so that's millennials and Generation Z, even mm -hmm. younger than millennials, we're the loneliest generation. So what's going on there? Well, I think you have to figure that they're the ones who were born tethered to a screen, you know, almost in some degrees, given a probably given a, a smartphone to play with it, it before they could read. And so it's always been a part of their lives. And so they don't understand a social network, no pun intended, outside of that digital world. And so it becomes harder than for them to manufacture friendships and deep relationships outside of that world. Dating today, even for singles, is is largely app-based. I met my wife at a party in college, but you can't meet somebody at a party in college if you're A, not at the party, or B, have your face in your, in your phone the whole time and not make that kind of contact you know, that resonates. I mean, I think the challenge for younger people is to find ways outside of that feeling of isolation and to, and to welcome actual human experience back into their lives. Right. The impact that loneliness could have on your mental health seems pretty obvious. Sure. You know, depression, anxiety, those kinds of things seem like they make sense. But the physical health connections were very interesting. How are how are the experts saying that it impacts your physical health? It's a lot like if you uh, folks who suffer from depression in general, right? I mean, if you if you're depressed, you're not going to take care of the other parts of your health. You you might um, not get out. You might not exercise. You might. Uh, your depression might cause you to overeat or to drink too much or to um, uh, try illegal drugs that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Your mind is driving you to try and compensate in some way for what you feel is lacking in your life and if you're comforting yourself through 
other ways, it might be unhealthy. Interesting. So what kinds of solutions are the experts talking about here? Yeah. This is a big problem to It have is to a tackle. big problem, but honestly, the, the solutions are sort of basic. They're almost kind of maybe probably what your mother told you, you know, when you were a kid. Get out of the house. Right. Get out of here. It's a beautiful day outside. Go for a walk. Go to the library. Talk to somebody. Volunteer at your church. Volunteer at a homeless shelter. Join a book club. There's all kinds of uh, adult education classes at your local um, community colleges or universities. Uh, join a gardening club. Do anything that you have to, to to get out of that world, to put down the screening, to and to actually go out and meet people and create actual human experience. And you know, it's not a it's not a complicated scientific formula for for battling this kind of thing. But it does take that first step. And you know, so a lot of people might be you know crippled by this to a degree and, and not being able to take that first step because that's 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 face it. If your life is spent in social media and all your major experiences are there, it can be a lot like the junior high school cafeteria. Right. You know, Jane just went to Spain. Do you see her awesome photographs? I'm stuck here in, you know, in, in my, my little one-bedroom apartment, and I can't go to Spain. So it, it can create f- senses of jealousy and envy, and so you have to be able to get outside of that. So obviously, if you're having trouble taking that first step, you know, then maybe seeing a mental health professional, a counselor, or somebody to help you would be the good step. But ultimately, I think it comes down to listening to your mom. Yeah. Get out of the house. That makes sense. And put down that phone. Be and get aware out of, of how house. much time you're spending very on, so. on with this your screen time. That's that's very true. Well, that's certainly a very interesting and important story. So thanks so much for chatting with us. Oh, it was about our it. pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. The thought of losing 100 pounds can feel very intimidating or overwhelming if it's something you have to do, but Bill Kim did it. And with a combination of exercise and watching his diet, he's been able to keep the weight off and keep on living a healthy lifestyle. He's our senior health editor, and he's here to tell us more about how he made it happen. Hey, Bill, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. That is something that's a really big goal for people to tackle, especially if they've realized that it's something they have to do. How was it that you sort of came to terms with that in your own mind? What was the moment for you that you decided you really needed to lose weight? Sure, yeah. So, um, yeah, 100 pounds is a big number, and um, I got to 100 pounds because, I, I interestingly enough, right at 100 pounds was where I would be in the healthy BMI range. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hit that 100 pounds. I'm going to be in a healthy BMI range, which was something that I hadn't had for years uh, as an adult. So um, that was a big goal. But for me, um, looking at pictures of myself, I knew I wasn't happy with myself. But there were two moments that really jump out to me as far as like, okay, I have to do this. Um, One of them was I was in my bedroom tying my shoes, just bent over, sitting down, tying my shoes. And when I sat up, I was out of breath. Wow. And that was like a huge wake up call for me. Like, oh my gosh, I'm out of breath sitting down tying my shoes. Something is not right. And then another was I was at our local amusement park and um, I was getting on one of the rides and it's an um, over the shoulder restraint. Sure. And it took three teenage kids who work there to like push down on it to get my stomach to go in enough to where I could actually buckle the seatbelt. Yeah. I was super close to just getting told that hey you're too big to ride this ride you need to get off and that was humiliating and so that combined with you know being out of breath when I just with everyday tasks and just looking at myself all of it was just like I need to make a change or my life is going to get downhill really quick wow so how did you I guess how did you come up with a plan to sort of get going on this I feel like that's another step that people even if they realize they need to lose weight they just 
don't know how to start. Yes, yeah, so talk to my wife about it, and um, fortunately, she was on board as well. Like she wanted to lose um, a substantial amount of weight as well, and so we did this together. That was a huge help. I don't know if I could have done this without her. Um, not to say you can't do it alone, but for me, it was good to have that support system. Support is really together. helpful. Yeah, absolutely. No, what we did was we were like, okay, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. We are going to. It's calories in versus calories out. We don't need any plans or gimmicks or pills we definitely didn't want to do any pills or anything like that we were just like let's just watch what we eat count our calories and exercise and it it shouldn't be difficult like it should it should be that (laughs) simple it shouldn't be difficult Um, (laughs) and yet you know we started logging what we ate anything that touched your mouth you logged and we were very disciplined about that we did a lot of um, changes to our diet just in you know less of the bad processed foods and tried to incorporate a little bit more of the healthy stuff in there, Mm -hmm. uh, the fruits and the vegetables and stuff. And then we signed up for an anniversary 5k. We were like, if we're going to start running, let's have an end goal. And so we gave ourselves about three or four months and we, we had an anniversary, is it the weekend of our anniversary? There was a 5k. And so we signed up for that and that was our, ultimate goal to kind of get us going yeah put a date on the calendar and see what it takes to get there see what it takes to get there exactly what was a typical workout schedule like for you then how did and how did it make you feel day to day week to week especially as you were getting started sure it was very hard Um, getting started was very difficult online is your friend there are so many resources out there to help you get started and that are proven because I think what happens with a lot of people and I know what would have happened for us is you'll try to do too much too quick Mm -hmm. and so it helped to have a guide kind of say look you're gonna start with just doing a quarter mile and you're gonna walk most of it and that's okay because I think what you want to do is you get so excited you lace up your shoes and you hit the road and you start running and you're exhausted and you overdo it and then recovery takes longer. And so, yeah, use the online tools or the tools or the apps, whatever that are out there to help kind of plan your training program because you will overdo it. But yeah, it started out with a lot of walk runs, um, very short distances, very doable distances. Um, I was tired, I was sore, um, it was hard, um, but it wasn't, overdone you know what I mean so it was the the recovery was there and I was and I was able to to follow the plan and amazingly for me I was able to build up my distance really quick I was surprised at how well it worked and how I you know but by the time I was supposed to hit a half mile I was able to run a half mile and a mile two miles you know all the way up to the 5k wow what kinds of other tools or habits were you leaning on during the during the same time um so we got fitness trackers Mm -hmm. i think that's huge um holds you accountable you'll know your distances Mm -hmm. a little bit better when you have a gps that actually tracks you know how far you're going instead of you trying to guess count your steps all that kind of stuff so i think fitness trackers are uh are very vital you had mentioned our food we know we were logging every single thing that we ate so um another app to log our food just kind of putting it all together and using that as like okay you're gonna do this and you're gonna stick to it gotcha it's your anniversary weekend mm-hmm. and you do the first 5k. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling like? It was the first time we had ever run 3.1 miles. So it was difficult. It's a lot more hills in downtown Atlanta than where I live. So <laughs> that was a challenge was just the hills. Part of it was surprising. But when we finished, we were so, it was, it was, a, it was an accomplishment. Yeah, it was a huge accomplishment. And we were like, yes, we did it. I got hooked after that. Like, I mean, there's something about crossing the finish line, um, getting a t-shirt, but you have 
both sides of the street are lined with people cheering you on yeah. and clapping as you cross that finish line. And it was like, it was addicting. I'm not going to lie. It was like, there was a high that came with that. And I was like, this was fun. Yeah. Let's do this again. And so we instantly signed up for another 5k a couple months later. And since then you've done half marathons and how did you build up to those sorts of major runs? Sure. So I kept running, um, did a few 5Ks and then um, we were like, well, we've done a 5K. Let's try a 10K. And so we did a Thanksgiving 10K and we did that. Well, I've done a 10K. Let's do a 15K. And then it just, it kind of <laughs> kept, I just kept challenging myself and just setting the goal a little bit further. Um, and then once I did the 15K and I had a pretty good time with it, it was like, yeah, I'm in good shape. If I'm going to do a half, like now's the time. And so picked a half I made it a destination half so we actually went out of town and made kind of a big deal about it since then I've done six halves and, and a full marathon I did my first full marathon last year wow we should mention that this is something this was a process that took you three years this was not instant or instant gratification by any means so it took about 10 months started in January had the anniversary run in May and then I the weight loss part of it lasted till about October and I had a a good run of I think I lost about 60 or 65 pounds in that 10 month stretch and wow. the running definitely helped the running became easier you know you go from 300 down to 240 and it feels a lot better when you're outside on your joints and, and what about day-to-day -day life even was it easier for you like just like tying your shoes for yeah, example absolutely I was able to do more with the kids walking up and down stairs I wasn't as winded as I used to be yeah that it was such a huge positive change and that came pretty quickly as soon as the pounds started to come off that that lifestyle part of it it, it was like it was very noticeable and I enjoyed it and so that kind of kept me going it was like oh this is working we're gonna keep on this path because it's working and yeah. I'm not losing my breath when I walk up the stairs to go into you know to the second story of our house or anything like that so unfortunately you can gain weight really fast yes. you cannot lose weight really fast um, it is a process and there's a healthy way to do it there are TV shows that kind of glamorize big big weight losses that was not our experience at all right but you were still able to stay motivated. Yeah, there, there's times that you fall off the, the wagon, so to speak. There's a lot of um, fear of missing out. You know, you kind of don't do as much with friends because that peer pressure is there for food and birthday parties and there's right. cake and there's, you know, there's just things that you want to try and avoid. So that self-discipline took a while to develop. I mean, there's there's a little bit of missing out and it's it's hard. Like it's it's... I wish I could say it was super easy and you know, but it's not, it's hard. It takes a lot of willpower and a lot of- A lot of focus. A lot of focus, yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, just a lot of focus to stay the course and, and you're gonna slip up and you're gonna have bad days. You gotta forgive yourself. You've gotta be okay with that and, and know that you can start again fresh the next day. One day, two days, even a week, if you get back on track is not going to derail the entire journey. Absolutely. So many great tips and really great tips, not only for losing weight, but how to like really stick with it. So thank you so much, Bill, for coming in to share your story with us. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for our tweak of the week. One simple thing you can try today to make your life a little healthier. This week, try carving out time for art. Years of research has shown that looking at art or creating it yourself can reduce stress, anxiety, and depression. And doing creative activities can also help you prevent cognitive decline. So take a stroll through a museum or a gallery or browse art online. You can paint, draw, and color, or even just doodle shapes and lines with a pencil. 
you may notice you feel more relaxed after you spend some time engaged with art. So try it out and let us know how it goes. You can share with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send us an email at healthnow at webmd.net. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.